you can turn to, well, let's see where we're going to start. You can, you can turn to the very beginning. Y'all know where the beginning of the book is? Nan, it won't take you long to find that. The very beginning of the book. We're going to go a bit beyond the introduction page in the, in the table of contents, but pretty much at the beginning. <laughs> All right. Well, it's interesting even that, Dan, you bring those things up of God speaking to you about um, things that you're expressing this morning to us. Um, I believe that God wants to speak something today about time and place. I'm going to ask a question right away that says, do you... Do you believe that your life can make a difference if you're in the right place at the right time? Yeah. The right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't created simply to exist from day to day. If you read the book, in the instruction manual here, uh, it tells us that we weren't created to just exist day to day. And just get by, just have a job, and you know, just make it through things. But we are created with a purpose, and we are created with a future and a destiny. And if you look at the back end of the book, you, know, you went to the front, but you go all the way to the back end of the book, it tells us that we have an expected end, <laughs> and we have a hope at the end. We have a, a life that's in constant motion in God the Father. Um, and as I talked a little bit last week about it, you know, God's, this concept of eternity is kind of hard to wrap our heads around, this... this never-ending concept. You know, that God always is, always was, always will be. There's no beginning, no end. And we just, it's just too hard for us to kind of grasp this unconstrainedness of time, of being able to move in time and to move back and forth in time. And to, it, He's just not constrained by this stuff. You know, God can do anything he wants at any time he wants. And I think sometimes we could kind of get, I was thinking about this a little bit when I was praying last night, that we get kind of constrained, I think sometimes because life just keeps going on. I mean, we have these bumps, ups, and downs, right? I mean, there's, we have tornadoes, we have shootings, we have all this stuff, and financial woes, and hurricanes, and all that kind of stuff. But by and large, I think we kind of wake up with an expectation that, well, you know, today's going to be like yesterday and every other day. And, but God could do anything he wants at any time, right? I mean, he could come back before I'm done here. We could be on our way to heaven, which you probably all would prefer. But... He, he could do with this, and he's not constrained by these things that we put around us and around him. Um, but through our relationship with him, we become part of every movement that he initiates. Think about that for a second. That's kind of one of those Bill Johnson ones for just a second. <laughs> that we become a part of everything that he initiates because we're a part of him. He stepped into time. Think about this, is that God, who has this no concept of time, just decided, you know, then they sat down like, over coffee and they decided at one point, hey, let's create the world. Just at that point in time, they just went, let's create the earth. This infinite timeline. I was going to get off the whiteboard and do this infinite timeline, no, no end, getting a no end. And then say, in the middle of that, this little blurb happened. He said, let's create the earth. So they created the earth. And then in, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, so he decided to stop time for just one second and plop the earth in the midst of this timeline of infinity. Think about that. He created, it says the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered. I mean, it was like nothing. And then, boom, created this thing. 
in the middle of this timeline. <laughs> and he put our souls and our spirits within these physical bodies. <laughs> this is the hard part about having this. Jesus. Well, all right, pay attention. They create. <laughs> there it is. See? So he put us in this. He was listening. Put us in this time frame and put us in these bodies that have beginnings and ends. Okay? So I mean, we have, you know, it says in Genesis 2 7, this is one of the favorite parts about creation that, that I like the most, is it says that, and the Lord God formed man. So he created this in this timeline, he drops this little blip in there, and then he puts an even smaller blip in the middle of the blip. He forms man out of the dust and out of the earth and out of the clay, and he puts it all together, he molds them all together, he molds man into this thing. And it says that he then breathed into the nostrils of man. And he just breathed into man when it says that man became a living soul. That's pretty cool. <laughs> when you think about that, he just breathed his DNA inside of us. And that first breath, and man became a living being. And so he put this this soul and this spirit within our physical bodies that, again, are constrained by this aspect of time. And in this timeline, I, I kind of wish I would have got the, I should have got the whiteboard, I forgot to get it, but in this timeline of infinity, and this blip that happens within infinity, then he subcreated the man in the, inside that little blip, and inside that second blip, he created you. So, I'm trying to get you the picture to see that this is like, you know, this is like this little speck compared to this timeline of infinity of what's, what God does. It says in Psalm 139 that he knew our inward parts. It says he did cover me in my mother's womb is what David wrote. It says that you knew me in my mother's womb before I was even born. I'd never actually read this verse in, depth, in real depth before, but I found this in Galatians 1. Galatians 1.15, Paul wrote this. He said, but when it came, when it was the good pleasure of God who separates me even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, when it was God's good pleasure, he created you. You were no accident. It was no surprise. God, like, whoa, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> How did that person get there? It was, you were created Amen. at his good pleasure. I mean, I think, again, we need to grasp this concept that we're not random, that we are that important to God, the God who had this infinite timeline, who stopped time, created us because of his good pleasure. He knit us together with a distinct purpose for life and a timing to be fulfilled. It's also of me no surprise that he placed all of us right here, right now. Right? And we're interacting at this very moment. We're on the earth for this very time. He placed Adam, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, David, Esther, Mary, Paul. He placed them all in the world at just the right moment in time. When there was a time needed were placed there. Again, another one of the great scriptures to quote comes from Esther. Is that when Esther, who was a Jew, became the queen, and Haman wanted to annihilate the Jews, 
it fell upon Esther, and as Mordecai came to her, he quotes this to her. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Then he asked this question. Who knows if, perhaps, you were made queen for such a time as this? But God created her at his good pleasure, placed her in this point at such a time as this for her to rise up and to save a nation. As we read in Acts chapter 17, the destiny of time is further revealed to us. Luke is writing this, he says, For one man he created all the nations through the whole earth. For one man, God created the whole earth. Listen to this sentence. He writes it in verse 17. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. And then if you jump down to verse 31, he says, For he set a day apart for judgment of judging the world with justice by man he has appointed. He set aside time. Again, he's, he's, he's got this plan. He set man up. He puts, builds, builds kingdoms up when they should rise and fall. He sets their boundaries, and he has a day appointed for judgment when the end is going to come. So time is an element of importance to God, and timing is an important thing. I believe that God wants us to be in time with him, in connection with him. Even though he is not in time or not constrained by time, but because he is time, we need to be in time with him, if that makes sense at all. He has a sense of time. And we need to be in his perfect timing as we go throughout the end. He knows the beginning from the end, yet he set into us a time sequence in the earth according to his plan. And he put us in that sequence, expecting of us for such a time as this to perhaps rise up. He expects us to seek him during this allotted time that he has fixed for our lives. Yeah. I was uh, reading this Dutch, or, um, Chuck Pierce's book, A Time to Triumph, and <clears throat> he has a quotation about time in here from um, Dutch Sheets. I told my wife that I think what we're going to do, I might start doing, is just on the first Sunday, I'm just going to replay Dutch's first Friday night prayer night. Cause it's just so much fun to listen to him preach, you know. I mean, he... Right now, we we were actually we were sitting outside on the deck, and it was, all of a sudden it came up on Facebook. Hey, Dutch Sheets is first Friday night. We forgot about that. And so we clicked on it. And we started watching this, and we sat out on the deck and watched. And he starts making the declarations. And he says he wasn't going to call anybody else for prayer. He says this is on me tonight. And he starts making all these great declarations about everything. He's such a great speaker when he gets rolling. But he writes this about time. He says the word chronos. There's two different kinds of time. There's chronos and kairos in the Greek. So the word chronos refers to the general process of time or chronological time. Okay? The word kairos refers to the right time or the opportunistic or the strategic time, the now time. So sometimes you have just general time, well, you have all day, but sometime in the middle of the day, a chronos moment arises, or a kairos moment arises, and now is the time for that to happen at this appointed time. It's a, you know... Um, a divine appointment is often referred to as a kairos moment. That in the middle of chronos time comes a kairos moment. He writes, I have always completely separated these two concepts of chronological time and the right time. 
but God has been showing me that this is not accurate. Often they are simply different phases of the same process. Kairos, in many ways, is an extension or a continuation of Kronos. As the process of God's plans unfold, Kronos then becomes Kairos. The new is connected to the old, and in fact is often the result of what happened in the old. Kairos, or the opportune time, is literally born of Kronos, the general time. When we're in a non-strategic, general season of life's daily routine, plodding along through Kronos time, God doesn't totally start over with a Kairos season. His average agenda does not change. He simply takes us from one phase of a process in which our perseverance and our faithfulness have allowed him to shift us to another phase or a new strategic season. So sometimes we need to recognize the difference and find these Kairos moments. That's what I'm expressing. God's time is this Kairos moment when we realize that now is the time to pray for this person. Now is the time to call this person up on the phone. Now is the time to get on my knees. Sometimes it's those strange times in the morning that people get. Those are Kairos moments. Now, I believe the other thing that's important to, to God is the sense of place. That God has not accidentally placed us in a place. We are where God wants us to be. And we need to take a hold of that. I was thinking about this in the place of the earth, you know, when he created the earth in the midst of this timeline. And this was my chuckle for the, the week here. Was as I wanted to kind of read where the earth's placement is within the solar system, you know, in relation to the sun and all those kinds of things. And so in my attempt to Google these things, I came across this uh, site called Live Science. Curse of Christian Revolution. Live Science. This is my chuckle for the day. Scientists. Science? Scientists? Did Kishman get that word? Here's the title of the, of the article in this Live Science site. It says, 13 incredibly lucky earth facts. That doesn't make any sense to science. Scientists who don't believe in luck, right, has, to, has to be proven by fact, are saying 13 incredibly lucky earth facts. I thought that was pretty funny. I laughed about that for quite a while. Uh, it says, we're lucky. I love the way it puts it. We're lucky on a, a science site. I just can't wrap my head around that one. We're lucky to live on such an incredibly perfect planet where the earth is exactly the mix of chemicals we need. There's a lot of water. The temperature is just right, at, at least some places of, the, of time. Of course, in reality, we're here because of all the circumstances that foster life as we know it. I'm not gonna read all 13 of them, but these are a couple of them. One, it says, the third rock, it says, there's a reason we found life on earth and nowhere else. Our, worth, our world orbits the sun at just the right distance. Not too hot, not too cold. This, this habitable zone is where water can exist in liquid form. Any hotter, it would be vaporizing. Any further away, it would be ice. So it's in liquid form. It's in the right form. A basic requirement for life. The second thing is the moon. It says, be thankful, but be thankful for our great, beautiful satellite. Without the moon, we might not be here. Its gravitational tug creates tides with the help of the sun. And one theory holds that origins of life originated in all these kind of regions. So the, it, 
it suggests that the tides are a valuable and important part of the Earth sciences. The third thing is a stable rotation. The Earth's rotation brings the sun up each morning and thankfully puts it back down. If this weren't for this, one side of the world would be unbearably scorched and the other would freeze life to death. Okay, so that's the third thing. Constant gravity. Nobody expects gravity to go anywhere anytime soon, but it's interesting to note, it's interesting to note on the science site that says 13 incredibly lucky facts, it says that nobody really <laughs> understands how gravity works. It's here, but we don't understand how it works. So lucky we have it. <laughs> we take it for granted, but gravity helps us make who we are. It defines our strength, contributes to our shape and our form for every living being. A protective magnetic force. If the Earth did not have a strong and relatively sta stable magnetic field, we'd be fried by the cosmic rays and solar storms. The temperature zone. So there's some frigid parts of it, but by and large, it says that seven, I think it's about 75% of the Earth is habitable, relatively. So we wouldn't want to say that in the middle of January, up here, I guess. But, uh, the last one here is the deep blue sea. It says about 70% of the world is covered by ocean. The significance of this can't be overstated. Abundant life water is the most significant distinguishing factor on this planet that supports life. Place is an important thing to God. Placed it exactly perfect for us to be able to inhabit this earth. So he created this blip and he put this in this earth realm to, for us to watch after and to cultivate this earth for his glory. Genesis 1 and 26, it says, Let us make human beings in our image. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry around. So it says that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the animals that scurry on the ground. That's what he created us to do. So see that Genesis 1 tells us that he created this place, this earth, just for us. This place is to be our place, the place where he will come and dwell and visit with us. This place is important so that he placed it to have a function, and he placed us in that blip. Again, place small place. I saw that video yeah, last week I played to you about the Milky Way and how we take up that little bitty blip. And that little bitty blip is you. That little bitty blip. But within that blip you have a sphere of authority. And you have a place that God wants you to be. Yeah. The sphere of authority I believe is key to receiving all that the Lord has for us. Because he has a plan and with that plan comes the authority to carry out that plan. God had a place for Abraham. Think about this with me. He called Abraham out of Ur and told him to go to this other place. I read this statement this week that I've been thinking about. It says that as soon as Abraham obeyed and left Ur and started progressing towards where God was going to take him to, it says at that moment, God released the promise of the future. It was in him taking that step forward. And when he did that, the release came. The covenant was established at that moment in time because of his obedience. Following after the will of God, the Father, Jesus, left heaven for earth. The plan to come into this place and release us from the power of sin and death. And through his obedience, the promise of eternal life 
And the promise of the Holy Spirit was released to us by that movement that he made of leaving heaven and coming to earth. And then in turn, Jesus looked at, at us and said, follow my example. And commissioned us. And we went to Dallas and got commissioned. We've been commissioned by Jesus at that moment when he left and said, follow my example, now go. He commissioned us with a mantle. He said, go to the place that I have called you. There is a destination. There is a place for each of us to serve and to reflect our faith in this earth. For some of us, it's a business that we run or own. For some of us, it's a place that we work. For some of us, it's a place that we study at school. We have a place that God places us. And we have a sphere of authority in that place. It's a unique place and a unique situation for each one of us. And it's, it's not for us to judge other people why they're not in this place. Because they're in their place. And that's their sphere of authority where they're supposed to be. We need to recognize that our place needs to be in sync with the Father and in sync with the purposes that he has yes. for that time and that place. Yes. And when we get into sync with that, I believe we're going to see him release the blessings that we need for that place and for that time. There are people all around us and within our spheres that need our influence on a constant basis. And we need to recognize that our lives are lives of blessing. God blessed us. Right? Since we're all God's favorite, we're blessed. And so we need to pass that blessing of that life into others. Amen. Especially from generations to generations. I believe that the younger generation, you need to get a hold of this idea that you are a blessing. And that you are here to bless this earth. Chuck Pierce defines success as this, and I, I like the way he's said this. He says, his definition of success is being at the right place at the right time and doing the right thing. When we have success in this way, we will be in the right place in the right time. And God will open up the vision to allow us, his kingdom people, to advance and make gains. I believe this is crucial because it says where people have no vision, people perish. We need to be in sync with this to get the vision. And I believe at this time in history, God is bringing forth our past, and he's lining it up with our future and the present, and he's opening windows and giving us a glimpse of what can be happening ahead of us. And as we keep this process of moving forward, we're seeing the release of the things that God has destined for us. So how does God do this? And one last point here. How does God do this to us? How does he get us to the right place at the right time and all that? I believe one of the most important examples of that is in Genesis 28. I guess if you want to turn there, you turn there. Genesis 28, we're going to start at verse 10. In the midst of Jacob's life here, it says that Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He had been given a command by Isaac not to marry any Canaanite women, <laughs> but to take a wife for himself from Laban. And Jacob began this journey. 
It says, and when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels got ascending and descending. And above it all stood the Lord. And he said to them, I am the Lord, God of your father, Abraham, the God of your God of Isaac. And I will give to you and your descendants the land in which you are living. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the east and to the west and to the north and the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land and will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Jacob was in the right place at the right time, and God opened up a portal of heaven and brought to him and expressed to him the things that were in the past, the things that were present, and the things of the future. Think about that alignment that he put right there at that moment in time. The past, present, and future all lined up at that portal, at that moment. And he expressed these things to Jacob of who he was, who he is, and who he's going to be. The portal, opening like this, a portal, is the place where revelation is released. And time constraints are gone. We can see past, present, and future. I believe that the portal is this place of access that opens up for God's presence. I believe that's how John the Baptist wrote Revelation. The portal opened up. And he saw all this stuff. In this visitation with Jacob, it had caused Jacob to have faith. It caused him to have faith that he could actually grab a hold of the promise and he had blessings in front of him that he knew were going to be his. And he took a hold of those and it gave him confidence that he could have this relationship with God just like his father and just like his grandfather. And from this experience, Jacob began to worship God and follow him personally by acknowledging that the Lord had been with him at Bethel. It says when Jacob woke up, he said, God, surely the Lord is in this place. And he began this lifelong relationship with the Lord. And he began to worship. Even though he had never seen God before this, he saw God in this visitation. And because of him being in the right place at the right time, Jacob learned to hope in the Lord. So, this is my last bit here. Hope has an optimistic outlook without any foundations except for truth and trust. Trust. And that trust produces confidence. And that confidence causes us to press into the future. So when we're in the right place at the right time, God releases hope to us, which produces confidence, which causes us to step into the future. Um, hope is an optimistic outlook without any foundation except trust. Except trust. And again, that trust produces confidence, and the confidence causes us to press into the future. So as you stand with me, let me close. What is your destiny on this earth? The time of God. What is the time that he's called you to? What is the place he's called you to? For such a time as this, everybody here was created. For such a place as right here, right now, you're created to be. 
We were created to walk in pure strategies of steward and multiply his glory and his resources on this earth. If we could still ourselves long enough like Jacob did and fell asleep and God spoke to him, if we could still ourselves long enough and serve him, we will succeed in this redemptive plan that he created us for, to be in his time and his place. Lord, we thank you for the time now. Help us to redeem the time now, God, that we would not waste the time you've placed us in for such a time as this that you've created us. Help us not to squander the place that we're in, that wherever we are having a sphere of influence, that we would use that sphere of influence in people's lives to make a difference for your kingdom and for your glory, God. That we could look at the people that are hurting around us, the people that are in desperate need of you and more attention of the spiritual matters, that we would spend our time and our moments and our thoughts on those things to break free and release them. We thank you so much for your presence here. Be with us. For such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, thank you.